to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You see that? See, the redemption of Jesus was not only for Jewish people, it's not only for American people, it's for all people. And the work of the people of God is actually to be the vehicle that the message of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, makes it all around the globe. Every tribe, every nation, every people, and every tongue. As a follower of Jesus, you know the truth of Christ. You know that without him, you would never be good enough. With that knowledge in hand, you then need to tell someone. You can't keep salvation a secret. When you do, the enemy wins. Pastor Daniel, we'll urge you in today's teaching to remember that salvation is for everyone, all genders, all ages, and all nationalities. Go tell the world what life with Jesus is all about. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 3 as he continues his message, But God. But now, the righteousness of God apart from the laws revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. Brothers and sisters, I like to say it this way. Jesus gives the best gift, and that is salvation. Jesus gives the best gift. He gives the gift of salvation. See, before the moment of the but, we're seeing how broken humanity is. And not only is it there, Paul comes back to it again in verse 22 at the end. For there is no difference for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You see what he's saying there? He's saying, when you break it all down, all have sinned. Everybody has missed the mark of being the perfect version of themselves in light of the perfect Savior, Jesus. See, being a sinner is not only that you're not the best version of yourself. Being a sinner is also that when you're compared to the perfect person who's Jesus, you failed as well. So not only do we not live up to our own standards, we do not live up to God's perfect standards. So for all have sinned, and because all have sinned, we have all, it says, fallen short of the glory of God. Now what's amazing is, is those words in the Greek, it's in actually the present tense, which speaks of continuous action. See, because we have sinned, we keep on falling short of God's splendor and his perfections. So if that's the only story, it's super depressing, isn't it? Right? I've sinned and fallen short of the glory. At every turn, you say the wrong thing. You think the wrong thing. You do the wrong thing. You do the right thing, thinking it is, and you realize it's the wrong thing. And if you didn't know that, just ask your spouse, you know? You're trying to do good, and you just messed it up anyway. Right? So you keep this happening. But the thing is, is that Jesus came to give the most amazing gift. That while we were sinners, Jesus still died for us. I love this. But now, the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. See, no one is saved by the law. The law gives the understanding or the knowledge of sin. 
But now God's righteousness apart from the law has been revealed. And it's been testified by the law and the prophets. Now, think about how powerful that is. See, the law reveals to us our need for God. Right? But the law also testifies to us of salvation in the name of Jesus. Although Jesus isn't named, the concept of God's forgiveness and his grace is all through the law of Moses. To the point where, remember when Jesus was walking and John the Baptist said, oh, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You realize that John the Baptist has huge mosaic law overtones, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That all speaks of the Levitical sacrificial system. See, so the law can't save you. God's righteousness apart from the law is revealed in the person of Jesus, even though the law and the prophets said it would be the case. You might say, well, the righteousness of God has been revealed. What? Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You see that? See, God's righteousness is given to us as a gift through faith in Jesus. Now, right here... At this moment, this is the big deal now. Because if God is righteous, God always does the things that pertain to what is right, right? The only way that God's righteousness becomes operative in your life is through faith in Jesus. Now you have to ask yourself, have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? See, it's that simple. People struggle with this. They're like, well, why does it have to be through faith in Jesus? Why can't I have faith that I'm growing or that I'm a good? It's a good thing to grow, but just because you're not as bad as you used to be doesn't mean that you're worthy of salvation. See, the reason the Bible puts such an emphasis on putting faith in Jesus because Jesus already lived a life that was without sin. That's why he was the acceptable sacrifice. I see, this is such good news because left up to my own devices, I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and so have you. Even on your best day, you're still wildly in need of salvation. But God sent Jesus, and Jesus lived the perfect life that we were supposed to live, that we failed to live. And because of that, he was God's gift. And when you say, I am trusting in the perfectly lived life of Jesus, then God's righteousness now is applied to your life. It becomes operative in your life. And it doesn't matter what your background was. It doesn't matter the ethnicity that you grew up in or the kind of home that you grew up in or if you had good parents or bad parents or if your parents had cleanliness, which is next to godliness or not, or if they had good hygiene. It doesn't matter what your education level was. It doesn't matter if you have a rap sheet as long as the day is or if you've never missed a day of school or work in your entire life and you're a goody two-shoes. It doesn't matter. Because for the person who puts their faith in Jesus, God's righteousness is now given to them. I don't know about you, but that's a big thing. Because we live in a day and age where people want to have faith in faith. I have faith in whatever I have faith in today. And that's even true within the church. Where it's like sometimes within the church, people worship faith. When really, we have faith in Jesus. Jesus is the object of our faith. He's the centerpiece of our lives. And that's why Jesus said in John 3, 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. See, 
God sent Jesus to save, not to condemn the world, to save the world. You may be saying, well, but why is so many, so much condemnation to me? See, Jesus actually said, if you were to go on in that passage, that the world is already condemned. Because we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That God's punishment upon lives that are less than perfect is just. So the reality is, is the only hope that humanity has is Jesus. Now, all the other things you can get yourself involved in that will help you, they'll help you. But none of them will save you. I was talking to someone the other day and they said, so, you know, listen, I've been clean and sober now for two months. And are you saying that I shouldn't be involved in a 12-step program? I'm like, no, absolutely, you should be. It's the best thing for you. But completing the 12 steps and being sober isn't going to save you. You'll just be clean and sober, which is a good thing. So here's the thing. Most people get themselves completely upside down financially in the holiday season because you buy people gifts that they don't really need and then you run up your credit card and you can't afford it and then you got all those stress and all the stuff that goes on and either way you buy it for them they want to take it back and just get a gift card anyway and so you know how it goes, right? And so what happens is is that you, you do this thing. Now, if you put yourself on a Christmas budget, which I do recommend, is that a good thing? Yes. Will that save you? No. You'll just have less financial stress at the other end of it. For a lot of us, seeing your family on Thanksgiving is about as much fun as running an ultra marathon, which I don't even know how long that is, but it sounds like a really long way because it's ultra, right? I think it's three marathon. I don't know what it is. I, I just heard about, I heard someone ran an ultra marathon. I'm like, someone needs to have more things to do with their time. Anyway, not knocking it, but uh, good night, you know? But the idea is that for some of us, you go to see your family and it's miserable, Right? Like you just want to, you want to kill them. They want to kill you. We're just grateful you made it through it alive, you know? But here's the thing. If you go in and you decide you're just going to be kind to your family and you're not going to fight with them, you're not going to get mad at them about all the silly stuff that they say, that's a good thing. And you could be a peacemaker within your family by not fighting. You know what I mean? But guess what? If you have a good Thanksgiving, is that going to save you? No. Is it good for your family that you were a peacemaker? Yes. See, here's the thing. Jesus is the only way for a person to be saved. Every other religious tradition, whether, you know, we lived in it, there's, there's organized religion or the popular religion today, of course, is disorganized religion, right? People don't like traditional religion. They like contemporary religion, which is I just pull up to the smorgasbord buffet of whatever beliefs I have and I try things out. I'm here to tell you, guess what? All those things leave you still in need of a savior. Because the very fact you needed to pull up to those things prove that you needed a savior. And the only hope that humanity has is Jesus. Because if you put your faith and trust in him, he shares his perfections with you. That's what the Bible teaches. And for you and I, what we see in these verses is that even though we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, it says in verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So the beauty is, is although you and I are flawed and we fail innumerable ways, God has chosen to justify us freely by the redemption. That word redemption means to be bought back from slavery. That's in Christ. So, but God, although we're fallen, but God, God has redeemed us. Now listen, no matter what's going on in your world, no matter how good or bad everything is, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, you have infinite things to be grateful for. 
And if you don't believe me, I want you to just circle verses 23 and 24 in your Bible. Just circle it. Or circle it in your neighbor's Bible. All right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but we have been justified freely through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. See, God does not do tit for tat. God says, you're broken, you're lost, you fall short of my glory, my splendor every single day, but I have freely saved you. Now, the idea of it being we've been saved freely or justified freely by his grace, what it means is that God does not require anything from us. God unilaterally did it. But you have to realize, as we see verses 25 and 26, what we realize is that our salvation cost Jesus everything. Our salvation cost Jesus everything. Although it's been given freely, it was not a cheap thing. It cost Jesus everything. Look what it says. Speaking of Christ Jesus, verse 25, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of those who have faith in Jesus. Now, you see what it's saying here. The reason I say that our salvation cost Jesus everything, because by the time you move into verse 25, it says that Jesus, whom God sent forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith. Now, that's a big mouthful. See, that's why you're, you're happy you opened your Bible, because if not, you'd be like, what's that word? Prilosec, right? No. See, propitiation, the word propitiation in the Greek is literally the same word in the Hebrew that means the mercy seat. Now, if you don't see, this is why the Old Testament is the key to understanding what's going on with Jesus here. Because the mercy seat was the cover over the Ark of the Covenant where once a year the high priest would go in and offer a blood sacrifice for the sins of the entire nation. And really it was the cover of the Ark of the Covenant where the two angels were facing one another and their wings were touching as they were hovering over it. And so the idea of Jesus being the propitiation, it literally means Jesus being the sacrifice to redeem the people. And so you have to realize that when it talks about propitiation, it says things like, by his blood. This speaks about the death of Jesus. See, our salvation came through the death of Jesus. Before he was resurrected, Jesus died a brutal death. And see, the blood of Jesus speaks of Jesus laying down his life for us. And that's why I say that our salvation cost Jesus everything. Listen to Revelation chapter 5 verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals. For you were slain. And have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. See, before the throne of God in Revelation chapter 5. Jesus is the only one worthy to take the scroll. And when they praise him, they say because you were slain. And you redeemed everybody by your blood. So listen, you have to realize. Although grace is free, it's not cheap. It costs Jesus everything. And what's the most amazing thing is Jesus willingly took the cross. He wanted to do it. He knew that God would be glorified if he laid down his life for you and for me. 
And oftentimes the mistake that we make is we are grateful for salvation, but we think the thing's cheap. But Jesus gave up everything. He gave up everything. And what's amazing is, is notice what it says, that you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You see that? See, the redemption of Jesus was not only for Jewish people, it's not only for American people, it's for all people. And the work of the people of God is actually to be the vehicle that the message of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, makes it all around the globe. Every tribe, every nation, every people, and every tongue. That's the work of the church. See, listen, our salvation costs Jesus his life. And the only way the gospel gets out is if people are willing to live self-sacrificially. And one of the greatest struggles that we have today is none of us like to live self-sacrificially. It's not a cultural value. I mean, you even think about it in regards to, you know, I was talking to my grandfather just recently. My grandfather was a World War II vet. And I was asking him about when he signed up to go into the military. He's like, well, that's just what you did. It's like, this is our country. And, you know, this is, you know, and he's like, and I look back on it now. I'm super grateful we did. And he's like, but people don't realize that today. And I thought to myself, I'm like, that's a really powerful statement, isn't it? Because we live in a day and age now where it's like, well, that's that's not my problem. Unless I want to go get a job in the military, I don't really want to do that. But there's a reality that in order, in order for anything to change, someone's got to be willing to give up something. I mean, you think about the people who got beaten in the midst of the civil rights movement for the simple belief that no matter what the color of your skin is, you're a child of God, created by God. And literally, I was reading an article just recently on when people over the television saw what went on on that bridge and somehow it literally changed. It was the final thing to change the consciousness of a nation. When you watch all these different people getting beaten by police in the name of civil rights. But you think people lost their lives in that. And brothers and sisters, listen, if you look at the world that we live in today, you realize that as it relates to young people, there is an absolute total onslaught to keep young people from Jesus. And I'll be honest with you, when people say, well, we should put Jesus back in the schools." I don't want some teacher who doesn't believe in Jesus telling kids about Jesus in school. I went to a school like that when I went to college. I took a religion of the Western world class with a reverend doctor who didn't believe in Jesus. His only goal was to make sure we didn't believe in Jesus and we didn't when we got there. The only problem for me was that I'm contrarian. So he's going on and on how we shouldn't believe in Jesus. I'm like, there must be something to this Jesus guy. (laughs) He didn't realize he messed that whole thing up, but that's my personality. It's like, why is this guy hating on Jesus so bad? I even asked him in class one time. I'm like, you know, you're a reverend doctor. So you're, you're a pastor. Like, why, why do you hate Jesus so much? And he's like, I don't hate Jesus. I just really, he went on and on and on. I'm like, this guy's backwards. We're not content to give the emerging generation over to the ways of our country. We're just not content to do that. And we are not content just to complain about them either when they get older. We realize the single greatest thing, the one thing I wish I had growing up was I wish I had known Jesus. I wish somebody, I wish there was a church like Crossroads in my community who was not just holding church services, but was going into the community in the name of Jesus to meet someone like me. I think about all the brokenness in my life that maybe wouldn't have happened if I would have had somebody who could administer Jesus to me in a way that I could understand. Now, what's amazing is, is we realize that Jesus laid down his life for us, right? 
And one of the things that was going on, if you look at the end of verse 25 and verse 26 here, we also realized that there was a question mark about what God had done. Notice it says, because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So really what's going on here is the Apostle Paul saying, even though God passed over the sins of the previous generation, he knew he was going to send Jesus. And so really what God is doing by saving everyone through Jesus is God has always known that he was going to complete salvation by grace through the finished work of Jesus. And so really what it speaks to us about is if you look in in the Bible, it talks about there was that place called Abraham's bosom where this man who was a poor man was in, in a place of comfort while there was a rich man who was in a place of torment. You know, and so really what went on is for people who died hoping in the finished work of Jesus, God did not judge them under condemnation. He kept them safe until the finished work of Jesus came. And so really what's going on is Paul is just bridging the fact that for someone like Abraham or Moses or David or Deborah or Ruth, what happened to them when they died before Jesus died and rose again? See, God was being forbearing. He was being patient, knowing that he was going to save through Christ. And so Paul just kind of ties that in together. And then verse 27 says this. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No. But by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. See, here what we find, and I really take this from verse 27, our only boast is in Jesus. Our only boast is in Jesus. See, the only reason you and I have for boastfulness is because of Jesus. Why? Because we didn't do anything. He did everything. That's really what it lands on. See, no matter how far you've gone in this journey with Jesus, the fact that you're even on the journey is sheer grace. The fact that you've grown, sheer grace. The fact that you have overcome obstacles, guess what? Totally by grace, by his spirit. Anything that's good in me is because Jesus is in me. Jesus is real. You are on a journey of faith that each day has the potential to drastically change your life. The fact that you're on this journey, though, is big in and of itself. Today, Pastor Daniel shared how important it is to remember that grace is what started all of this. Grace saved you from your sins, and grace gave you the ability to connect with your Creator. You also have the ability now to help others to start them on their own journey of faith. 
Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel discusses the danger of a self-help mindset. Many people today encourage self-betterment through steps or practices or simple spirituality, but none of these will save a person. Don't let society's message draw you into a salvation that isn't real. Instead, let Jesus remind you who you are in Him and why the freedom He offers is so much better. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.